Sorry, hold on, everyone. Spotlight. Thank you. Good morning and welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. Thank you to those here in person uh, on this, what I hope is trying to be a spring-like day, and those who are joining us online. My name is Karen Mills, my pronouns are she and her, and I have the joy of being co-director with Gordon Ritchie of Coriolis and a member of this congregation. We're going to start out with some announcements this morning, and so um, Ilara has asked me to announce that they are leading the service next Sunday, and if you have announcements, to either have those to Janet to include with the uh, Friday email, or to let her know so that they can organize as part of the service. And I will now invite Oksana up for an announcement. Thank you and good morning. Uh, as you may or may not know, our church follows monthly themes with the Soul Matters curriculum. Um, and almost every aspect of our church kind of follows these themes, and this month's theme is vulnerability. If you like outside, uh, just by the front door, we have a new bulletin board set up uh, that's interactive. And we also have an event happening which is uh, Im important for vulnerability, where we open up and explore. And we're inviting people to come out to the Mutart Conservatory on the 19th. So you'll see information out in the lobby about that. And you're welcome to ask me uh, if you have any questions or if you're interested. Thank you. Thanks, I'm going to invite Paulette up next. Good morning, everybody. It's nice to be here and see you all. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but the Alberta government is uh, suggesting that they take over the Canada Pension Plan. So we would not be part of the Canada Pension Plan, we would be dependent on our provincial government. So I have here a petition to protect the retirement security of Albertans to the Legislative Assembly of Alberta. We, the undersigned residents of Alberta, petition the Legislative Assembly to recognize the benefits to Albertans of remaining in the Canada Pension Plan and to commit to keeping Alberta in the CP. I haven't got my glasses on. But anyway, I'll leave this outside on the table, and if you feel you want to say it, please do. Um, as many of you know, we're putting on a party for Ruth's 100th birthday on March the 19th. Ruth Patrick, Ruth Patrick's 100th birthday. Um, I have a bulletin board over here, and we're requesting that you bring food to join in this celebration. You can put your name in for a main course, salad, or cheese, or something along that line, or money if you are unable to make something. If you're bringing something hot, we ask that you either bring it in a crock pot or cover it so it can go in the oven. So if you would put your name on there, we would really appreciate it. See you on the 19th. Thank you. And now a message from our sponsor. My name's Andrew Mills, and I'm the treasurer of the church and also run the Canvas. And March is Canvas Month, and so that means that every member, and I mean every member, should be returning a pledge form this month to say what their contribution will be in the coming year. So please, there's pledge forms at the back of the church, there's pledge forms out in the lobby on the uh, Canvas poster, and anybody who donated last year received a pledge form along with their tax receipt in the mail. So please return those. Best place, fill out your form, put it in the collection plate. By the end of March, please. 
Good morning. My name is Art Breyer, and this me message is strictly for the men. So the, the women are supposed to cover their ears. Uh, as you know, uh, we have a uh, volunteer group called the Union of uh, UCE Collective Volunteers. And uh, we uh, meet once a week to uh, solve the world's problems, and sometimes we do some odd jobs here that need uh, doing. And we've been meeting uh, on uh, Tuesdays, but uh, uh, we found that uh, Tuesdays, uh, Tuesday morning is uh, not a good time. And so we're changing it by unanimous consent on to Monday. So we're meeting on Mondays now to see how it works out, because Mondays nobody else is in the church, supposedly, and, and, until we found out, find out otherwise. So the men that don't have anything to do and the women that want to get their, rid of their men for Monday, send them to us. Thank you. Hi, I'm David Hawes. Um, this is kind of a heads up. Uh, come to church next Sunday and Susan Lynch will be giving full details on a play that um, Chabak Theatre will be putting on here on Friday, the 28th of April. Uh, details on how much it costs to get in, if anything and exact timings and so on will be announced at that time. But uh, keep it in mind, we've put on, I think, five plays up to now. So uh, this is just getting back to normal after COVID. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a mystery. Um, a police officer, a female police officer, approaches a guy in a park. She just wants to sit down and have a lunch. They get talking, and like a Unitarian meeting, things keep branching off from there to a surprise ending. I'll just prolong our announcements by 30 seconds more to remind you or to announce that International Women's Day is Wednesday and uh, the powers that be, the women powers, decided that we should have a march today instead of Wednesday. It will be at one o'clock beginning at Corbett Hall. Unfortunately, those of us that are here probably won't be able to make that start, but the march concludes at the gazebo at McIntyre Park. There'll be a rally there and some refreshments. If you want to celebrate um, International Women's Day, come on down. Right, and just a little bit more detail, the celebration for Ruth Patrick will be immediately following the service on the 19th, and so that will be the lunch that's happening right after the service. Um, and Mike also asked me to share with you that there is a congregational meeting following this service today. We'll have a little 10 minute break after the service to set up the stage, get the chairs down from here, let you refill your coffee, and uh, maybe have a little bit of a, a comfort break if you need that, and then we'll resume. Uh, ten minutes after the end of the service. Ruth. Remember it's only those enrolled, right? That's correct. That will be explained at the meeting. Yeah. All right. We are going to begin our service proper with a prelude.
welcome to this morning, this day, this opportunity to be together in community, which is a time of joy, comfort, and sometimes challenges. This Unitarian Universalist congregation is a place where we can come to learn more about being human. We're not here because we figured out life's questions or because we think we've got it right. We come here to learn more about being in relationship together, how to listen, how to forgive, how to be vulnerable, and how to create trust and compassion in one another. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 territory, knowing that a treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all of our children. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts of love and conscience and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but are connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. Let us move into worship, willing to be authentic with each other, honest within ourselves, and open to connection in all its forms. I'd invite Yvonne Miro to light our chalice, and as she does that, I'd invite Elora to come and read some words for us. To Risk by Arthur, William Arthur Ward. To laugh is to risk appearing a fool. To weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out to another is to risk involvement. To expose feelings is to risk exposing your true self. To place your ideas and dreams before a crowd is to risk their loss. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To live is to risk dying. To hope is to risk despair. To try is to risk failure. But risks must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, is nothing. They may avoid suffering and sorrow, Thank you to both of you. I now invite you to stay seated as we sing hymn number 1002, or the words that are on your screen. This is what's known as a zipper song. So all the words are the same except one that changes each verse. And it kind of has a bluesy feel, so just hang in there and feel it.
And one of the ways that we comfort each other is to acknowledge that we are not alone in this world. We are part of a blessed community that love and support and care for each other. And one way that we do that is to light candles. Later on in the service, the choir will be singing about this little light of mine. I love to share my little light. And I love it when others share their little light with me. These little lights, these little candles that we're about to light represent all those amazing, wondrous, beautiful, challenging, sometimes dangerous, sometimes sorrowful things and events that happen in our lives. And so let's take a moment to acknowledge that. For those of you who are with us online, if you wish to do so, I invite you to write your thoughts, your prayers, your concerns in the chat. Share those with those who are online. And know that you are with us here in this place. For those of you here in the sanctuary, we have our two candle stations on either side of the hall. And at this time, I invite you forward to light a candle. Susan to light two more candles. The first is for all of you who are with us online. I expect that there are many thoughts that have been 
typed into the chat. Just know that those thoughts are with us. This candle is for you as well. And I'll ask Susan to light a second candle. There is much that is going on in our world. Many who are suffering, many who are in pain, many are who have been dislodged, lost their home, lost loved ones. This candle is a candle of concern and a candle of connection, a candle of love. May we carry these joys, concerns, and moments represented in these tiny candles in our hearts. They express very deeply that we are not alone. I'll invite Jeff forward for our next reading. <clears throat> this piece is called Perfectionism is a Thief by one of the world's most pro prolific authors, Anonymous. <clears throat> There's always an excuse not to grace the doors of the space that is there to help you. Perhaps you don't quite yet have your stuff together in a way that you would like. Perhaps your appearance is a little messier than you'd like to show to others. Perhaps you've done things that are unforgivable and that, if you could just figure out how to undo them, then you'd be ready to receive the help. Perhaps the addiction or behavior hasn't gotten so bad that you can't stand living with yourself anymore. But once you get there, you'll go through those doors. Perfectionism is such a thief. It robs us of experiences we could be having, of growth we could be experiencing, of the help we so desperately need right now. If anyone feels perfectly anything as they reach out in the midst of a desperate moment, they are telling you a lie and they are lying to themselves. The moment of asking for help is a tender moment. You may not be perfect, but the help and support are there for you anyway. So you may as well not wait for the perfect moment and just reach out to let folks know what you need. I love chatting with my fellow Unitarians, especially when it comes to Sunday services. There are all sorts of amazing ideas that come up, and this service was sparked actually by a conversation that I was having with Yvonne. And so we collaborated on that and chatted with Karen, who started to put together this beautiful service for this this morning. So we have two reflections for us, and I would invite Yvonne for our first reflection. Good morning. My name is Yvonne Miro, and my pronouns are she and her. And I've been a member of Coriolis and this congregation since 2007. That's a long time. No, 2006. It feels good to be needed. I'm sure many of us recognize the truth in that statement. But what of the opposite? How does it feel to be one who needs to ask for help? Many of us have been conditioned to feel pretty uncomfortable asking for help, especially when it's about something personal. It can make us feel exposed, needy, less than. It can make us feel pretty vulnerable. We might wonder if it's appropriate to ask or if it assumes too much of the relationship or if we even have the right or audacity to ask. What if the person you ask just says no or looks at us like we have food stuck to our face? What if it takes all of our humility and courage to request some help? and we are turned away. Well, that's both 
a risk and a, response, and a possibility of asking. After all, no one is obligated to, to help just because you ask them, even if you have just turned yourself into a pretzel to do so. There's no deal that just because you ask, they have to respond positively. So often we just talk ourselves out of asking for anything at all. I was raised with an unspoken rule that said, well, if they wanted it to do it or to tell you, they would have done it or told you without asking. To ask was to impose. And that wasn't nice to ask. You can imagine how that shut down my curiosity and prevented me from getting what I needed. Eventually, though, I learned healthier ways of getting what I needed, of asking um, where I didn't have any expectations and that we all have the right to ask for what we need, but not to expect it or demand it. There's another mistaken assumption out there that people should just know what you need, so you shouldn't have to ask. Well, that's another unhealthy way of thinking and sets up, up for being constantly disappointed since people can't read each other's minds. We need to take responsibility to ask for what we need without coercion or manipulation or expectation. It makes life much easier for everyone. So now I'm going to take a risk and speak about something more personal. And I'm choosing to do this because you are my beloved community. Since the first day I walked through those doors, I have been supported for, supported and cared for by you. And I've tried to make that exchange mutual. I tend to take things like covenants and principles seriously. So I trust that we all want the best for each other. I also know that you use like doing something about problems and not just talking about them. We're all about changing the world for the better. Some of you will remember my first days here at UCE. I wasn't very healthy. I often spent time in the hospital and the ER. I had frequent flyer points there. And I had some serious illnesses, including cancer, frequent respiratory infections requiring hospitalization, and out-of-control asthma. My friends and I used to joke that I wasn't robust. I, live, I lived alone and on low disability income, and I frequently had to ask for help. That's hard. To ask for help is one thing. But to ask for it over and over and over again means having to give up some independence and pride, but when you're desperate, you do what's necessary. I had to really accept my vulnerability as an unescapable fact of my humanity. And also, I had to learn that it need not diminish me though that latter part is still a work in progress. I realized that I don't have the luxury of pretending that I'm an island. Actually, none of us are islands. At some point, we all come to realize that we need one another. I was fortunate to be brought up with the belief that we are all responsible for each other that it's our duty to share our abundance if we want a healthy society. One example I grew up with was my father's regular blood donations. He was a lifelong regular donor, and occasionally he'd come home with a special pin that, num that recognized the number of his valuable contributions. He never made a fuss about it, but we all grew up waiting for our 18th birthday when we could finally become blood donors. We were infused with the belief that if we were lucky enough to be healthy, then it was our sacred duty to help others less fortunate. After all, we grew up with a mother who died waiting for a kidney transplant. 
In 2012, I was finally diagnosed with the rare genetic condition that made my body unable to produce the most abundant antibody of the human immune system. And that was what made me so vulnerable to infections, autoimmune illnesses, and cancer. There are 500 of us with primary immune deficiency in Alberta. And we each use at least 130 plasma donations per year. Well, it was a eureka moment for me and my bewildered doctors. And the best part was that there's a treatment, not a cure, but a treatment that... Um, sorry, the quilt just fell down. <laughs> Um, not a cure, but an effective way of giving me a better, though not fully functioning, immune system. So for the rest of my life, I need weekly infusions of other people's immune globulins, or antibodies, which are found in their plasma. In other words, I am completely dependent on other people's plasma in order to live. Fortunately, people can donate plasma every two weeks since no red blood cells are taken. Unfortunately, not enough people do. Canada has to purchase 85% of our plasma needs in order to meet our demands, and it's getting a lot worse since COVID. In 2019, I was informed that Canadian Blood Services had a plasma shortage that could affect my treatment and that raised my anxiety to the roof. We've hovered on the brink of shortages since then, including now. When asked why people don't donate, the, the answers range from, I hate needles, to it's a hassle, since you need to make an appointment now. I understand, people are busy, and needles can be scary. I should know, I get at least two per week. But I'm asking people to consider it, and if not for themselves, then to raise awareness about it, especially with the next generation of young donors who, of whom we are in desperate need. So being part of this beloved community gives me the courage for my big vulnerable ask. Please, if you can and if you are willing, please donate plasma. And, even more importantly, help us find new donors among the young people we know. We're desperate for a next generation of donors. Let's build on that UU spirit of nurturing and helping others and cultivating generosity. As the words in our March Soul Matters package on vulnerability, um, the words of Shannon Adler, or Alder, say, one of the most important things you can do on this earth is to let people know they are not alone. Or as Ram Das also said, we are just walking each other home. Thank you. If you would like any information after the service about donating, you can talk to me. Thank you. Wearing a mask. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for sharing your story with us. Well, we're in a new month. We're in the new month of March, and that means that we have a new charity of the month. Now, this is a new charity of the month for us, which is also very exciting. For the month of March, the Unitarian Church of Edmonton will be uh, supporting the International Convocation of Unitarian Universal Women, a nonprofit organization in special consultative status with the United Nations Economic and Social Council, focusing, focusing on global women's rights and empowerment. I would ask the ushers to begin uh, collecting our offering if they would. So half of the unidentified cash that's received during the month 
of March will be offered to uh, this Unitarian Universalist women's organization. For those of you who are with us online, I invite you to um, head to this particular website to make a donation. Uh, for those in the sanctuary, as I mentioned, half the unidentified cash will be offered to this organization. We thank you for your support. thank you for your generosity and your support with our time our talents and our money we support the work of the community and this Unitarian Universalist tradition let us join together in singing from you I receive did a really wonderful thing this morning, even more wonderful things than she usually does on a Sunday morning. She consciously or unconsciously chose one of my favorite readings. And I'm going to ask Yvonne to read that for us now. I think this will come up on the slides. Um, the reading is a responsive reading. Uh, we need one another. There we go. Okay. So, I will read the regular, and you will read. Well, it's not italicized, okay? Oh, okay. We need one another when we mourn and would be comforted. We need one another. We need one another when we are in trouble and afraid. Oh. oh, sorry, I read that. No, we, sorry, I messed that up. We need one another when we are in despair and temptation and need to be recalled to our best selves again. We need one another in the hour of success when we look for someone to share our triumphs. We need one another when we come to die and would have gentle hands prepare us for the journey. Our next hymn is found in your Teal hymn book as well. It's number 1031. May you be filled with loving kindness. Again, the text will be coming up on the screen behind me and as well as on the screens of those who are viewing the service online. In number 1031, let's remain seated and sing together, filled with loving kindness.
it's time for another reflection. And this one's from me. So I have a little story that I would like to share with you. I have been donating blood for many years. And after seeing an ad on the television and after speaking with a very dear friend, I decided to transition from donating blood to donating plasma. One other reason uh, for me to switch was that as a blood donor, I can only donate every 56 days. As a plasma donor, donor, I can actually donate every week. Oh, the wonders of the human body, right? But here's the thing. I don't know about you, but walking into an unfamiliar medical clinic makes me feel rather vulnerable and a wee bit anxious. Well, I summoned up my inner courageous lion and booked an appointment. A week later, I headed off to the clinic early in the morning. Well, actually, it was ridiculously early in the morning. I don't know what I was thinking. I filled out the required forms and off I went to donate. Everything was flowing beautifully, I must say, when I noticed a woman come to sit down in the chair beside me. I also noticed a large laminated card placed by her leg. It read 250 donations. Well, that's impressive. A nurse passed by and upon seeing the sign said, wow, 250 donations. How exciting may I take your photo? No, that's fine, she said. Another nurse passed by and said, 250 donations. How wonderful. Thank you so very much. I'd like to take your picture and post it on social media. No, thank you. That won't be necessary. Three more nurses passed her by, commented on the sign, and asked if they could share this monumentous occasion with others, and each time her response was the same. Now, it's one thing to be vulnerable in a vulnerable setting like a medical clinic, but it's another thing to be in a setting and have what could be considered your private life posted on social media, especially when what you're doing is helping others in your own special, and in this case, private way. This notoriety could have put this woman in a greater state of vulnerability. So I admire her for being aware of her own personal boundaries. And while respecting her boundaries, I must say that the excitement shown to her by the staff was really quite lovely to witness. Each one took the time to honor her in her selfless giving. Now to pass the time with my donation, I began to think of about what those 250 donations actually represented. I imagined 250 vulnerable individuals whose lives depended on blood products, blood products freely donated by someone they will never meet. Then I thought of the possible 250 families who are also depending on this anonymous donor to help their loved ones in their times of need. Now I must admit that since then I've become aware that 250 donations did not necessarily equate to 250 recipients. But you get the idea. I have seen this woman now every time that I've been in to donate. I expect that if the opportunity arises, which hopefully it will, I will greet her and tell her that I am so impressed by her commitment to donate. Now, since my last appointment, I hope to speak to another donor and congratulate her on her 400th donation. I'd like us to take a time to enter into a moment of reflection, meditation, so I have some beautiful words that Karen chose this morning. It's written by Don Cooley and it's entitled, A Litany to Wholeheartedness. Because there are times when shame has crushed our ability 
to be wholehearted, let us let go of who we ought to be and embrace who we are. Because we have not always had the courage to be imperfect, let us go of who we ought to be and embrace who we are. Because we have struggled to have compassion for ourselves and for others, let us let go of who we ought to be and be who we are. Because we have been afraid of our own vulnerability, let us let go of who we ought to be and embrace who we are. Because we are sometimes too afraid to live authentically, let us let go of who we ought to be and embrace who we are. Because we want to be whole-hearted people, confident in our worthiness and belonging, we ought to let go of who we are and embrace who we are. Let us enter into the silence together.
So the title for this service, Ask What You Need, Offer What You Can, uh, came from the conversation that I was having with Gordon and Yvonne. And when they told me about it, what they were thinking of for their reflections, I said, oh, it sounds a lot like a facilitation method that I took some training in. It was called the circle way. And it's a way to have deep conversations um, where everyone is a participant, where there is no hierarchy. And it kind of harkens back to, you know, our ancient days being around a campfire together. And everything is centered on a circle um, with an inner place where you start out by everyone brings something to contribute to that circle, symbolizing that you can, everyone is involved, everyone's invested in that circle, but that circle also holds the discomfort, it holds the tension, it holds that energy that sometimes gets in the way of deep conversations. And so because there's real depth to these conversations, uh, there's also some kind of guiding principles that go along with the conversations and one of them is ask for what you need and offer what you can. Recognizing that we can't read each other's minds and that, you know, even if we know somebody well, we don't know exactly what space they're in that day, that time, that they may need a little extra care, they may need a little extra time, they may need a little extra push and direction but it's up to them to ask for it. And that as part of that group, we also have the responsibility to offer what we can to contribute to the life and the well-being of the group, to be a participant in a conversation, which doesn't always mean talking, but it means being engaged, being an active listener, being present in the moment for each other. And so I think uh, we've all done a great job of that today. And now to talk to us a little bit more about that, I'm going to invite Mitch to do our next reading. Wired for Connection by Aaron Powers. It's a familiar scene each holiday, no matter how meticulously the strings of light were put away, they always seem to come out in a tangled mess. What happens when, to them when they're all through the year as they wait in their boxes? And so the tradition of untangling the lights begins. We unwind them carefully, uncrossing and unlooping wires, stretching them out to their full length, all the while being mindful not to damage the bulbs, which hold so much potential. I find that people aren't that much different. We often feel like a jumbled mess of string lights tangled up within ourselves, not knowing how to get undone or how to back, get back to our sparkly selves, especially when the holidays approach. Throughout the year, each struggle adds another tangle to the lights until by year's end, we're wound so tight that we don't even know where to begin. Sometimes we need a little help to sort ourselves out. It's been said that it's easier to untangle the lights, the strings of lights, when you plug them in. The brightness of the little bulbs help to guide our fingers through the tangles. It's no different with people. Connecting with friends, family, therapists, or trusted advisors can shine a little light to help us untangle ourselves and to help us stretch out to our full potential. Humans, just like strings of light, are wired for connection. It's when we're wound most tightly that we need the connection most of all. We are, at, we are at our best when we are plugged into each other. We find our true purpose and spark with others, not alone. And it's in these connections that we shine most brightly. Thank you, Mitch. Well, it's time to rock it out, just saying. And we're going to do that with our next hymn, so everybody uh, buckle up. Here we go. Please rise as you're willing and able as we sing our next hymn. And those of you at home, we know that you are rocking out with us as we join together in singing Lean On Me. Here we go, Karen. Sometimes in our lives we all have been 
Thanks, everybody. Please be seated. I'm going to invite Yvonne down to extinguish our chalice, please. It's almost done. Yeah, go ahead. I offer you this benediction by Jean M. Olson. It's entitled, Go Boldly. May you be brave enough to expose your aching woundedness and reveal your vulnerability. May you speak your deepest truths, knowing that they will change as you do. May you sing the music within you, composing your own melody, playing your song with all your heart. May you draw, paint, sculpt, and so showing the world your vision. May you write letters, poetry, biography, slogans, graffiti, the great novel, laying bare your words to love and hate. May you love even though your heart breaks again and again. And until the end of your days, may your life be filled with possibilities and Courage. The choir has a postlude for you.
Thank you everyone for being with us this morning. Uh, just as a little reminder, we have our closing song, then we're going to be taking a 10-minute break, all return into the sanctuary for all of you online. Please return to your computers for this very important vote. I invite you to rise as you are willing and able and join in our linking song, Carry the Flame, a peace and love until we meet again.